With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's do it. Yeah, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Stochastic.com. NFL strategy show matchups edition. One may call it marathon matchups edition where you get the comfy seat. You pack up all your, uh, your MREs, you hook the IV fluids up. Jordan, who's this, who's this sponsored by? Is this price? There we go. Price pick sponsoring the show as well. Shout out to them. Tell you how you get a free month of stochastic plus platinum plus a hundred dollar first match deposit bonus later in the show. Also, if you're interested you can get two free months to cast a plus plan when you sign up at BetMGM. Either one doesn't matter. We'll talk about it. We got a long ways to go here, but 10 games setting us up nicely. I'd take, I told him Matt Savoka at Draftaholic. Hey, Matt. Uh, I told Matt or before we started, and I know he agreed. Like, if we could get a 10 game slate every single week, we would take it without a second thought. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just from a pure length of show standpoint, the substances that our chat members would need, you know, decreases, you know, it, it saves a little money and that absolutely helps. But also just from a clarity standpoint on the main slate, I think 10 is a, is a perfect number. Hey man. And it's good to have you back. Linquist filled in admirably last week, but uh, yes, at stochastic HQ, they were like, all right, Loffy's out. How can we make the show even longer? Linquist <laughs> made it happen. Uh, no, happy to have the crew together and behind the glass, Jordan Klein, just like the original, matchups marathon the 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 original years uh so good to have the crew back yeah i heard last week there were people that mainlined mainlined meth before the show to to stay awake actually ate a it wore off because the show was so long that that they fell asleep and not because they wanted to but because you crash but they also had a full meal as well which is not something that is you know typical for IV meth usage. Right. Wow. So appetite was continuing on as as normal, which is <laughs> is which, as you said, that is abnormal. But yeah, exactly. We got to pace this thing out. And while we always talk about the high total games a little bit more than these low total games, I think it particularly stands out this week where I was mentioning beforehand, 11 of the teams this week on the main slate have implied totals of 21 or less. So we're not expecting three touchdowns from a majority of these teams. Now we can have one-off fantasy values in there, but I think a lot of the ceiling plays are going to come from a small pool of teams. So it does make sense to spend extra time on those matchups. Agreed. And by the way, kidding. Uh, I heard it was a great show and I know 
that yeah, the the Eric and Matt pairing is a solid one. But we're back, baby, back in the saddle. I missed you guys. I love doing this show, and uh, we have a lot of fun. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. I know I have. I know Matt has. Have you? I have. I have okay. indeed. It's kind of automatic at this point, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So hit it. Subscribe to the channel. Leave a comment down below if you're listening after. In fact, I know the majority of you guys that watch this show um, are watching after we're live. So we know you're there. We know you podcast listeners, too. I also know if you've left a rating and a review yet and if you've subscribed. I don't, but we would appreciate all that. Uh, it takes us a long way. So I appreciate you. Anyway, 10 games, Matt, as we do, was your idea a couple of years ago, and it's stuck. Minnesota and Detroit is at the top of the list because we're starting with the highest total games. We work our way down to some of these shit fests down there. <laughs> I mean, it's ugly. You, you talked about the 21 totals, right? But what about the fact that Houston, 14 and a half, Tampa, 16 and a half, uh, Jets, 17 and a half, Ravens expected not to have Lamar, 17 and a half, although I think Huntley is a perfectly reasonable backup. Uh, Denver at 17 and a half. They, I, I said it to Matt Kajewski on this morning showdown strategy show. They put a one where it shouldn't be. Uh, uh, totally agree. That team, in a word, sucks. They're, dude, the under, I, I know I've, I know I've beat this horse since it's, you know, the, the, the horse is, it, there's nothing left but skin and, but bone at this point. Um, it, we beat the dead horse here. But the under on Broncos games has been a mortal lock all season long. doesn't mean every single game they play here on out is going to be, but they are one and 11 to the over this year. They, 17 and a oh half point gosh. implied total actually seems high. Now I'm not hammering the under because weird stuff can happen, but you know, once again, I, this game has a 43 and a half point total. I know it's the chiefs. I would still take the under in this game. Because if it's 30 to 10, you're still, you're still going under. Perfect recipe. Great defense that somehow remarkably hasn't given up on the offense yet. And a terrible offense that loses games 10 to 9. So just throwing it out there, Matt, you mentioned a lot of sub-21 totals. But, oh, oh, hold on. Did I? Jaguars, 18 and a half. Giants, 19. Mm -hmm. uh, like, there are one, two, what are there, eight totals under, under 19 or below? It's disgusting. And I, I get it. These are mediocre teams who in one score games, they've some of them have been particularly lucky, <clears throat> New York Giants. But when you actually face a strong defense and a strong defensive line, suddenly these implied totals do not look interesting. We're going to talk about some upside possibilities. Obviously, we have to think about all of these games and players in terms of ranges of outcomes. That's why we have this show. But ultimately, Look, the Vegas implied totals are really telling us where to look on a week like this. We do have one game over 50, well over 50, that shootout in Detroit. And then after that, you immediately hit the mid-tier. So we'll hit the, you know, we'll let you know when we're hitting different tiers of games. But we hit that sludge fest here, the shit fest here, <laughs> earlier than we want to this week. And it's only a 10-gamer. So uh, we're going to outline that for you today for sure. Yeah, we're going to have some fun. Let's dig into it. Minnesota. It's funny. So um, Jeremy had mentioned that, he, yeah, I was on the, and thanks for watching, man. I was on uh, Al Smizzle's cage match yesterday and it's a lot of fun. He, he, he really built a nice format with that. Check it out. If you guys haven't, it was, it was a fun show. 
I mean, build a cool format there because it's like you can't just build a regular cast. I just fully committed to a tournament lineup and said, fuck it. You know, it's for charity. <laughs> but we're building these lineups and it's just two of us. Okay. And there's a point to this because we're talking Minnesota, Detroit here, 52 and a half point total. We're building these lineups and, and I, I have the second pick. So it goes like him and then snake for mm -hmm. the first round. And then you just trade off one, 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 one. Right. So like I had two and then it was just trading picks. So he went with Garrett Wilson. I'm like, dude, I'm going Justin Jefferson and I'm on Russ St. Brown. You can actually build good lineups with both of those guys this week with so much mid range running back talent. But then by the end of this, you know, he, one of us has the, I, I took shark and golf as well, just full out game stack, but then he's got uh, Dalvin cook. He's also got Deandre Swift. He's got TJ Hawkinson. If, if you don't think mm -hmm. this game is by far the most appealing on paper, you're crazy. It, five and a half point difference between the next closest game this week, Matt. It's pretty nuts. And while Vegas does include their ranges of outcomes, their calculations as well, when we see this big of a teardrop after one game, you can look at this as the, the, the way I'm playing this Minnesota-Detroit game defines the way I'm playing this slate, right? Because it is a viable way to just be contrarian in large field tournaments to say, I'm going to play this whole weekend like Minnesota Detroit disappoints from a fantasy value standpoint. But as you said, there are values all over the place. There are ceiling potential plays all over the place. You got some good narrative plays as well. TJ Hawkinson coming back to Detroit. Uh, he's been excellent from an expected fantasy points standpoint since going over to his new team, fourth in expected fantasy points. And then we got the usual suspects. No problem with JJ. No problem going back to Amon Ross St. Brown, who we have ahead of salary-based expectations. And the reemergence of DeAndre Swift. Jamal Williams is run hot. He may continue from, to, to do so from the goal line. But DeAndre Swift finally back in action. Saw a great, efficient game last week. We got him at RB10 in our projections right now. I, I think it's justified. Now, he's limited with that ankle. But he's banged up. Like maybe I, I, you can't expect him to put in like a full practice every single day this week. There's really, there's zero reason to assume that that's necessary. I'm telling you though, Deandre Swift last week, I mentioned this to Ben and I think I even mentioned it to Neil, Matt, the, the, the part that really resonated most with me wasn't that he went out there and got these snaps. It was that he came out there and got snaps in a 42 or 40 to 14 game. And you're saying, okay, feels like a Jamal Williams game. I thought the Thanksgiving game is where I was a week late on DeAndre Swift. I thought the Thanksgiving game would be the one where we really start to see more involvement. But in a game where they never at any point were in jeopardy of falling behind or even being approached with a sketchy scenario, you know, throughout 60 minutes, DeAndre Swift still out, out touched Williams on the ground 14 to 11 and then had six targets to Williams zero, not to mention he had five carries inside the 20, three inside the 10 and one inside the five. Williams had two inside the 20, both were inside the five, which is nice. But once again, Swift getting three inside the 10 as a dynamic shifty back like he is. It's not just an in between the 20s type of player if he comes out and plays 50 percent of snaps again. That is music to my ears. You talk about quality of opportunity. You add those inside the 10 touches. And yes, as I said, Jamal Williams continues to run hot in that zone. 
But then you add six targets on top of that. His 20 opportunities were the most he's had all season. And he's now seen six or more targets in two straight games. So DeAndre Swift, a really, really solid option. If you want to go back to Jamal Williams, he's got a projection essentially right at salary-based expectations. I think he's a great path to about 13 points, to be completely honest. On the other side, I think Dalvin Cook is fine. Not my favorite at this mid-7K range on DraftKings, 15% of your salary cap. He's still getting uh, out-touched, or not out-touched, but utilized less at the goal line because Alexander Madison continue get to get plays drawn up for him. And Adam Thielen, while he had some usage at the end of the game last time, I still see a player who's 9.6 expected fantasy points over the last six weeks outside the top 20 wide receivers. I'm not stoked about Adam Thielen, but I, my, some, my guess is I still get a decent amount of him because like everything you said is perfect. Like it makes perfect sense, but 52 and a half, 53 total game, depending on where you're looking at. And you have Jefferson, of course, if this turns into just like an all out aerial assault and we know, we know that Kevin O'Connell is not afraid to, to have Kirk Cousins throw the ball a lot. Um, mm. Detroit's defense has improved, but we're still looking at what should be a high-scoring game. Behind Justin Jefferson, it's still basically just TJ Hawkinson and Adam Thielen. So I think there's still a ceiling here in tournaments. He's getting 8% ownership. Like, do I like – do I prefer him over Hawkinson? No. Obviously, I don't prefer him over Jefferson, but I prefer him a ton over, you know, KJ Osborne. Sure. Right, and – I, I think I think we're probably saying the same thing. He's not exciting. You're, you're not like, clamoring to get a ton of Adam Thielen in your lineup, but you're also not taking him out of lineups if you're getting Adam Thielen in this game. You're attaching yourself to the quality of the, the matchup, the game environment, more than the player himself. He's gone below TJ Hawkinson in terms of actual salary. Hawkinson is at 5,100. Thielen's down at 49. So that's obviously a change. He's still clearly a tertiary option, as you would like to say at this point. He is not a primary option in this offense anymore. You know, similarly, though, I I would still go to – I'm still going to get some DJ Shark Shark too as well. Like, I, I, you know, he came back three weeks ago, was very limited. But now he's seen 11 targets over the last two games. He's second in in targets and target share behind Amon St. Brown, who's caught 91% of his targets over the last four weeks. Oh, man. Which you might be like, oh, whatever. No, on double-digit targets per game, 37 of 41, and putting up huge yardage totals with touchdowns and reds. St. Brown and Jefferson and my, are two of, if not the two best plays on the entire slate. And then I'm more than willing to mix in Swift and Shark and, um, and Thielen and, of course, Hawkinson and Dalvin Cook. I, I don't really even think we need to get too granular here. It's the best game on the slate. The only guy I'm not particularly fond of, I don't love Jamal Williams. He's a decimal back, as Ben and I coined. Actually, Chat coined it for us. Somebody where if they, if, if, they, if they don't score a touchdown, just take their rushing yardage and move the decimal point back once, and that's what their fantasy totals are. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. The, uh, the only other person I would mention, just because there is a little bit of potential there, and he's not that popular in our ownership expectations right now. Jamison Williams. I knew it. Not cheap. Not cheap 4,400 for a player who we've never really seen on the field. But look, 
I will take some flyers on him in large field tournaments. If we expect this much scoring, we can't always guess which receiver or skill position actually gets the production. Not saying I think it's going to happen. And we have a projection well below those 4,400 salary-based expectations. But there's a ceiling potential there for sure. Okay. Neil mentioned it as well yesterday too. Cleveland and Cincinnati. Let's get into it. I think we covered everything, right? Like it's just play that game in any capacity you can. Yep. Uh, I'm not really going to the tight ends anymore in Detroit, though. I'm not going to play no. that game. I am instead going to, if I'm going to go large field there, I'll take Jamison Williams, Josh Reynolds. I think they're going to open up the offense, especially with Swift and Jamison Williams back on the field. I'm talking about the players we mentioned by name. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, uh, oh, oh, one last thing. I will not hesitate to have if it comes down to this some lineups with Amon Ross St. Brown and Swift without Goff like I think Goff is fine in those lineups Swift as a pass catcher but I don't actually hate the idea uh, on concentrated target share teams you know uh, Minnesota being another one if you can fit Dalvin Cook and Jefferson but but you don't have cousins I don't think that's insane uh, at all Quarterbacks are still good values when they're attached to this high total of a game, but I completely agree the skill position players can be attached without their quarterbacks. Yeah, and and listen, I would, I think the quarterbacks make a ton of sense because neither of them are expensive, so you don't have to do that. But you know, secondary stacks in this game make a ton of sense as well. Kevin Brunson, welcome to Team Stochastic, man. It's a good looking badge, brother. Good looking badge. You can hit that down below if you want to join. Get the free Super Chats each month, the custom emojis, sweet badges, all that shit. All right, Cleveland, Cincinnati. So Cleveland last week, oof, I told you, we, you talked about, we talked about this before the show. Didn't it look like Deshaun Watson was throwing bricks out there? It was very odd the way he would throw the ball and it would just go like that. It was, he's throwing a medicine ball or something that he stole from, <laughs> never mind. Uh, but yeah, it was, <laughs> Very odd, very odd, but I'm still somewhat intrigued by Watson and, and, and Amari Cooper this week. What about you? I think Rance said it best in uh, chat. I don't know if actually he's talking about this game, but that's how I feel about it. This is tricky. This is a little bit confusing here because Cincinnati has an offense at this point in the season, especially if Mixon's back, that can push another team out of their comfort zone, especially one that likes to run as much as Cleveland does. If Cleveland's in control here, you know what's happening regardless of who's playing quarterback at this point. I think Deshaun threw 22 times. So even if it looked good, that's not the type of passing volume that's going to usually give tournament winning scores to quarterbacks unless they're rushing a ton and the expected fantasy points uh, just for this one week for Watson would put him at 18th among quarterbacks on this slate. So it's about can they have the game script that allows Chubb to get going? The implied total would say that they won't. You know, they are underdogs by nearly a touchdown. But I wouldn't rule him out completely. I put him on a list, Chubb, of players that could absolutely still score 30 in adjusted fantasy points allowed. The Cincinnati Bengals are 20th. But I think this Bengals passing attack is still what you want to hit here. Cleveland's defense is not strong. They're better against the pass than the rush. But... I still think right now with the way we saw Cincinnati play against Kansas City, I'm not betting against them right now. Ben brought this up on Tuesday, but yeah, Joe Burrow, 0-4 career against the Cleveland Browns. Very so he has Mahomes' number, but he doesn't have the Browns regardless of who's funny? playing the quarterback position. I, I said the wow. same thing, Matt. Isn't that funny? Like, 
he he's got Mahomes on a leash. But and to be fair, that that was a weird game on Sunday. But you know, we're just we're just pontificating here. Uh, no, I, I it's only four games. Cleveland right. did Cleveland steamrolled them earlier this year, which was funny. Uh, but I, I'm with you. I, I wouldn't be surprised though if this game turned into a, a bit of a shootout. Like if Watson comes back and he's even hat, if he's even Jacoby Brissett level, you could see some decent, you could see a decent game here on both sides. And you're talking Chase, Higgins. The only thing I, the only issue I have with Higgins, what do you make of Higgins? His price still isn't that far separated from uh it's still not that far separated from jamar chase so like if you're stacking this team yeah you'd like if you're double stacking with with t higgins and chase and burrow and hayden hurst is doubtful for this one so you're not getting that in there you're you're paying you're paying a good amount for higgins now that chase is back yeah you definitely are i'm still taking shots i'm still gonna do it because again we don't have a ton of game environments that look clearly strong. And then uh, we still have a really solid offense and now a further consolidated offense. I think there's probably going to be, in terms of opportunity value, 25 to 30 expected fantasy points distributed between that are usually distributed between Chase, Higgins, and Hayden Hurst. Forget about Boyd for a second. Those three players, I think it's going to go down to two players in terms of their actual opportunity value. So if that's the case... I don't think wide receiver eight, 7K on DraftKings is too expensive for Higgins. I don't think wide receiver four, 7.9K for Jamar Chase is too much. I like these players in this game environment. Again, I will mention that in adjusted fantasy points allowed this season, Cleveland is top five against wide receivers, but they're not playing wide receiver ones and twos like Chase and Higgins. I really want to go here, especially with the running back room still a little bit murky at best. I think Mixon's good to go. Um, but I think full, P. Ryan's earned some more usage is my concern. That is, that is odd. That is definitely odd, especially in the passing game. If, 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 if Mixon was out again, I, P, P. Ryan would be a smash this week. That's, you know, even 6,300 mm-hmm. P. Ryan would be a smash, but you're right. I mean, Joe Mixon comes back. He's still going to like, I still expect him to get the majority of touches, but it, should we be worried that there might be a timeshare? Because right now, and I do expect him to play, he practiced fully yesterday. My assumption, he practiced fully, I think he'll clear protocol by Sunday. But we have him as the, the highest owned running back on the slate as it stands on, on Thursday afternoon or Thursday morning. Because all year long, Cleveland has just been trashed by starting running backs. That's really what it is. I talked about the, that stat, adjusted fantasy points allowed, which is just fantasy points allowed which uses an adjustment factor based on the offense's performance that they've already played. So, you know, you, you always use the example of teams getting smoked by tight ends while they've played Travis Kelsey twice in the last three weeks mm-hmm. or something like that. But ultimately, they're dead last against the running back. So if somebody is a bell cow in Cincinnati, they have a great chance of having a huge day. I am worried about it being a timeshare. If you want to play it the other way and say Mixon is back and he's full go and he's going to get the passing work, I don't think that's nuts at all. Uh, that is what the field is doing, though, at 17% projected ownership right now. I think you're perfectly making perfectly reasonable statements. It, it, I would almost say it would be unreasonable 
to think that, you know, you have a, a team like Cincinnati that has gotten very good production out of Samaji P. Ryan. Um, to think that he just goes back to a, what, like five touch per game role? Yeah, I, I we've seen him being used on third down and in goal line situations, quality and important situations for this team. I think P. Ryan's just earned a role on this offense and maybe they're trying to keep him fresh, mix in for a possible playoff run. Who are your top options from this game? And if you're stacking it, Look, I'm sure stacking this game doesn't sound appealing to some people, but it has a 47-point total. It's the highest on the slate, or second highest on the slate. Clearly, there's a large gap between that and, and the Detroit-Minnesota game. But if you were to take this out of, of, of the slate, you're going down to 45.5 for Houston-Dallas, and that's basically all on one side. So from a game-stacking perspective, we have to entertain the notion that this could be one of those games that you might end up needing. For sure, Cincinnati right now in our top stacks tool, which combines the expected ownership of the skill position players, the quarterbacks, the top stack probability, and the value percentage, and combines that into one rating score. Cincinnati with a 92, the highest for the DraftKings slate. All right, Houston, Dallas. Woo, 16 and a half point spread. Ugly, ugly, ugly game. I mean, the Texans are terrible. They're going to get Davis Mills back. It, 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 he's still an upgrade from Kyle Allen, but it's so funny how these teams do this. They're like, you know, Mills has been terrible. Let's put a guy in that's worse than him. Maybe that'll work. Like Sam Ellinger, Ellinger like, what do you – none of that makes any sense at all. But, but the Carolina Panthers have been doing that at quarterback for three straight years. I know. <laughs> I know. It's, it's nuts. Some teams at least are forced to do that, but. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. By God, it's ugly. So Carol, Houston has the lowest total on the slate. Should be, should be Denver. I'm not, I'm not joking, by the way. Houston agree. at 14 and a half. Dallas at 31. That's the highest implied total on the slate by three and a half points. So this is very interesting. Let's start with Houston and Matt. Do me a favor. When you're done talking about Houston, just make a smooth transition into Dallas because I don't think it's going to take you all that long. I will say Nico Collins didn't practice today. Brandon Cooks didn't practice yesterday. I don't know what his status is yet, but um, how do you, you know what? Let's just fully encompass this game. Sure. We know we like Dallas. How do you want to play the Houston side if you have a bunch of Dallas players in your lineup? I'm going to run and grab another water. Go ahead. So first of all, I really think if Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks are out, and you've got Davis Mills coming back in, it's obviously completely viable to just write off this entire passing attack. In terms of expected fantasy points, we've actually seen Nico Collins take a big jump this year. He's sixth on the slate in just the last six weeks, so some of those have been without Cooks on the field. His 14 expected fantasy points would actually be, as I said, sixth in among all wide receivers here. But in fantasy points above or below expectation, he's at minus 4.5 below expectation per game. 
because of his quarterback. So I don't think Davis Mills coming back into the fold is going to help things here. I do think Damian Pierce is theoretically viable. He has a projection slightly ahead of salary-based expectations. His expected fantasy points are right with uh, salary-based expectations, but his chance of a five-point score are way lower, excuse me, way higher than you like at a 6K price. The Dallas offense is arguably one of the most efficient in the league right now. Dak Prescott, again, leading an ultra-efficient passing attack. From a fantasy standpoint, it's not always superb, but it's never really that bad. He's eighth in expected fantasy points, and at two fantasy points over expected per game, he's the sixth most efficient quarterback on the slate. Speaking of efficiency, no one better than Tony Pollard. I mean, there are very few players that I'd rather have right now just with the ball in their hand in space uh, on any team right now. Uh, Tony Pollard is still underrated at 6,700. Zeke is a thorn in his side. But besides CeeDee Lamb, I still think Tony Pollard, even at RB8 in salary, is viable. He is. And I think Ezekiel Elliott is very viable this week as well. I mean, you half the sit, ownership on him. On half the Elliott. ownership. Can we, can we take a look at, at some comparisons between Pollard and Zeke uh, in, the, in the past few weeks? Because Ezekiel Elliott is not somebody that's being phased out of this offense. Unless Jerry Jones doesn't wake up tomorrow morning and, you know, God forbid, but unless he does, they are not going to take their foot off the gas when it comes to Ezekiel Elliott. And of course, Pollard's a better running back. We know that, but that doesn't always matter. Like it doesn't, that doesn't always matter. I'm not discounting Pollard as a great play. He's obviously a great play. What I'm saying is don't discount Ezekiel Elliott at a discounted price and significantly discounted ownership in a game where they're 17 point favorites, because a lot of Tony Pollard's upside comes from the passing game as well. With Ezekiel Elliott, you don't necessarily need all of that. Is a two touchdown game in play and a 17 point spread at home with a 31 point total? You're damn right it is. Last week, Pollard had two touchdowns. Zeke had one. Could easily switch where Zeke has two and Tony Pollard has one. He had 17 attempts last game. He had 20, he had 20 touches last game. So I'm not saying he's efficient. He doesn't need to be particularly efficient against one of the worst, maybe the worst run defense in the league. He had two goal line carries last week. Pollard had one. He had three carries inside the 20. Pollard had one. So forget about skill for a second and consider everything around this. Ezekiel Elliott could easily finish with like 17 for 100 and two touchdowns, and it wouldn't be that shocking, even though he's not that great anymore. Here's something crazy for you. So I always mention expected fantasy points and then the player's relevance, whether they've performed above and below that. Over the last six weeks, the Dallas running backs combined are 13 and a half fantasy points over expectation per game. They're running Uh, hot right now. Per game. Per game over the last six weeks. So it's just an incredibly, incredibly efficient offensive attack that also has CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup getting stronger. Uh, You saw the two-touchdown game from him despite limited overall opportunity. Uh, These are just all viable options. I I I just think they're in a great spot for obvious reasons. And because we have four viable plays, just grabbing two of them lowers, or excuse me, raises your uniqueness, your chances of not being duped at all. So if you go Pollard, Lamb, Dak, not crazy. I even think in a crazy large field tournament, just largest field, like Millie Maker only, you could 
draw out, out a scenario where Pollard and Elliott have really, really solid games. Not Agreed. very likely, but possible. I agree. In tournaments, I still don't want to play both of them in the same lineup because the opportunity cost there is difficult because there's a lot of great mid-range running backs this week. Um, but I'll have a good amount of all of them. Just, just want to throw something out here too. Uh, John, what's up, man? Always hanging out and chat with us, keeping us company. Said, how many optimal lineups have had guys playing against Houston? Not that many. Don't have to smash to beat the Titans. You're right about that, but hold on a second. Cleveland last week, 27 points. Crush them because Houston's just bad. They're going to find ways to give up points. Cleveland's offense was terrible. That was not because Houston's defense was good. All right. right. Miami scored 30 points in the first half sat their starters a few minutes into the second half, and it just so happened that the ball was spread around a decent amount. It happens, and that could definitely happen in a game like this. Then you have Washington. They are not, you know, a star-studded offense. Then you have, who still put up 23. Then the New York Giants, okay? New York Giants, stink. I'm pretty sure Barkley had a nice game. Uh, Philly had put up 29. I, all I'm saying here is that while it hasn't happened, doesn't mean that there's something, you know, innate in Houston's ability to play football and limit the top guys from having big games. So it's what just you just described, yeah, it's our teams score finding their way to points, right? That's really what you're saying. Teams are finding Correct. ways to points, and so it's probably randomness that individual players aren't finding their way to huge performances. And we have obviously seen some huge performances when you combine a bad, bad team a bad, bad defense, and a hot offense, which Dallas might be one of the hottest offenses in the league right now. Sometimes ceiling performances happen. I don't know what else to tell you guys. Right. And against this team, could definitely happen. Uh, Philip Sharp, 47 likes. Come on. Atonement. Hit the like button. Yes, atone for your sins, my friend. There we go. 50 likes. We're doing it. We'll get there. We'll get there. This is, this is, a, this is a slow play type of show. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's a slow burn. We'll always get there. Uh, but yeah, Ezekiel Elliott, and thanks for the support, fellas, for all of you that, and ladies, for all of you that watch. Um, Ezekiel Elliott, Pollard, CeeDee Lamb. I think Ben put it on Tuesday. He's like, CeeDee Lamb could have three touchdowns in the first half, or the ball just gets spread out everywhere else on the ground, and CeeDee Lamb finishes with five for 50. It's true. These are games like that, no doubt about it. But I like him. I have no problem with Dalton Schultz. I mean, kind of pick your poison with the Dallas Cowboys, right? Yep, I'm fine with Gallup as well. It's a little bit point chasey. He's still 22nd on the slate in terms of expected fantasy points. But there's a lot of fantasy goodness here that could potentially be, and we're talking about still double digit in terms of opportunity value transferred into a scale we understand fantasy points. Schultz. Only 6% expected ownership in this game where they have a huge implied total. I think that's a mistake. For all of you, uh, to put this tactfully, insane people who haven't signed up at Prize Picks yet, got your free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum, $120 value. They haven't collected your up to $100 first match deposit bonus. Haven't taken advantage of the awesome format they have over there where you're just building lineups with props, 10X if you hit all five, unlike a traditional parlay, if you hit four or five, you're still 2X. All different sports, all props too, a lot of props that you're not gonna find on traditional books, and especially rules that bend in your favor if you don't hit all five. You even make money back on three of five. Very cool. 
and you can mix the sports all in the one lineup. For all of you insane people who haven't signed up yet, the offer still stands. Just use the link in the description. Use the link that Jordan threw in the chat right there. 100 bucks first patch deposit bonus. Free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum. This isn't just football tools. This is everything, right? NBA, boom, bust, ownership, player projections, uh, all of our data, all of our showdown data for basketball, for football, uh, top stacks tool, you name it. Dude, top fighters tool for MMA, projections, ownership there. I don't know when NASCAR comes back, but we got that. We got PGA. We got everything. If they have contests out there, we have content. World Cup, college football projections, college basketball, all of that is yours for free when you sign up over at prize picks and you're getting that first match deposit bonus. And you're not mad just signing up on a shitty site where it's like, Hey, I only did this to get a free month. You're signing up on a site that is hooking you up with a deposit bonus. And is also a place where we've seen a ton of our viewers playing lately. So I think it's a win-win mm -hmm. no brainer. We've seen them grow up too. prize picks over the last few years. They just have an amazing platform. It looks fantastic. Just a super pro service as well. Happy to be involved with them. And if you want to bet some weird sports, you want to bet some call of duty, or women's Euro basketball. Oh, my favorite. That is the place to go. And the mixing of the sports makes it really fun. So when you get that free subscription, you can use the different tools from the different sports, mix and match, win some cash. Beautiful. Check it out. Link in the description and in chat. Prize pick, sponsor of the strategy show. Let's keep it rolling here. Next one up. All right. So we got three down Philly and New York Giants. I think this could be a Miles Sanders game. They're seven-point favorites, 45-point total. Giants allowing 5.1 yards per attempt. They, their run defense is struggling. Now, their secondary is definitely coming back to earth. But at the same time, I don't know how many times I have to say it. It's probably annoying you guys at this point. I think we can agree that the Philly offense has become a pick-your-poison offense, where if a team like the Titans, great run defense, decides, hey, we're going to slow you down here, Jalen Hurts and company goes, all right, we're going to annihilate you with the deep ball. You know, and they go, we got to take A.J. Brown out of it. He goes, all right, we got Devontae Smith. Um, the week before that, it's just straight out, ground and pound, bludgeoning you on the ground till you're literally faking injuries for these guys to get out the field and, and get a, an injury timeout. Miles Sanders, we've seen some games this year. I think he has two 30-plus fantasy point games, uh, and it usually sets up in favorable conditions such as this. So 6,200. Uh, I didn't want, nobody wanted Sanders last week, rightfully so, but his price has come down. The matchup has improved dramatically. A couple spots here that interest me, starting with him. For sure. And while it's a little bit up there, his ownership expectation isn't that high after, a, you know, some solid weeks here. What's 10, he at, 10%? 10% is nothing. Yeah. That's not really that chalky. And I totally agree with you. While you can take chances on, uh, I would rather take just one receiver stacks rather than two because of the rushing ability of both Sanders and Hertz. I still think you can take chances here on just the quality of talent of AJ Brown or Devonta Smith. Smith looks better than salary-based expectations, whereas Brown is slightly below, but not to a point where you can't play him, especially in a pretty decent matchup and adjusted fantasy points allowed. Giants are basically right at league average. But on our top stacks tool, it looks like Philly's rating is about with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Neutral, just below league average. They are number six in our actual top stack probability, but it, it doesn't really match up with their salary is really all this is saying. It's a little bit over-owned, a little bit expensive, but once they get on the field, if you told me that one of these receiving options instead had three touchdowns, I just wouldn't be surprised. You always have to say that there is 30-point potential from one of these four options in Hertz, Sanders, Brown, and Smith. Yeah, absolutely. Right, exactly. That's pretty much the the only way to look at this. And it's funny, too, because we had a question from Brandon asking if uh, if if you would play Hertz and Sanders in the same line. I, I'd put it to you this way. Now, we've seen that these two guys can, can coexist. Miles Sanders was the RB two in week 12. Jalen hurts was, I believe the QB one. I would imagine he had to be. Yeah. They both had 30 fantasy point games. The problem is Sanders just isn't involved enough in the passing game. Mm-hmm. When they decide that they just want to run the ball 40 times, both of these guys can have great, great games, but 10 games slate. I have a little bit of a tough time doing that Matt. I kind of like that more in a single entry or three entry scenario where you don't have to be exactly right with every player because you could just capture a ton of the scoring by getting Hertz and Sanders that way. And you're talking about a team who has a 25 and a half point total, very few teams with a higher implied total than them. And if you asked me, what is a team that has the true potential to outscore their implied total by seven or more? Philly at that relatively modest 25 and a half is a really good bet for number one for me. That's a good point. Yeah. Seems low, but yeah, Sanders has nine rushing touchdowns on the season, nine rushing touchdowns. He's, he's crushed his touchdown prop for his preseason touchdown prop crushed it. It was six and a half juiced heavy to the under. And I think it even moved to five and a half Hertz has nine rushing touchdowns, So 18 between the two of them. I say, Play both of them. I just probably won't play most a lot of them together. But I get what you're. That's a good point. Yeah. If if you're doing it, don't do it in a spot where everyone needs to have a ceiling game. AJ Brown, you can always play AJ. What what about though? Just let me phrase it to you a little bit differently. AJ Brown's a great play, but how do you stack him up against like Jefferson, Diggs, Chase, St. Brown, and all those guys that are similarly priced? We simply have players in the top six to eight wide receivers in terms of salary ranking with projections ahead of their expectations. So Brown is going to be lower than them on our list. You know, you're going to take a Jefferson or a St. Brown ahead of them in straight value. But if you're talking about a tournament, as I said at the top of the show, if you're saying, hey, part of my contrarian philosophy today is I'm fading Minnesota Detroit, which means I think that those players aren't going to have the games that people expect them to have then Brown suddenly becomes extremely viable with a projection just below his wide receiver three salary-based expectation. Anything you like for New York, starting with Saquon Barkley? Man, I'm so disappointed with Barkley's efficiency. I mean, as you would expect, the expected fantasy points, the opportunity value is still quality, but it's not blowing us out of the, the water here. 16 expected fantasy points. And of course, with the way this offense is performing, minus two, fantasy points below expectation over the last six weeks. The matchup with Philly looks neutral on paper. I think they're actually better than they on paper with that line getting healthier, not the other way around. Knock on wood for the Philly playoff, or I should say Super Bowl run 
that defensive line is the weak spot uh, that I do actually think that they could cover up. And then in the passing game, I mean, if you want to roll the dice with somebody attached to Daniel Jones, it's not the craziest thing, but it's close to it. I mean, look, I, I don't have high expectations for anyone beyond Darius Slayton, who actually looks like he might come alive here late in the season. Slayton's look pretty good. It's just a really tough matchup for him against these corners. Right. And he's still at 9.5 expected fantasy points. Yeah. Uh, that's like 25 among wide receivers. So it's not like his uh, 5.1K salary looks really juicy. It looks okay. Feels unnecessary. I'm with you. New York Jets. Oh, last question. Uh, in the event that Quez Watkins sits, do you have, does it do it? Does that move the needle on anything? Like, do you get to any dirt cheap Zach Pascal? Or do we just go, all right, we know where the ball should be going. I don't want to get cute because that's where I'm leaning. Large field tournaments, you can put Pascal on your list, but probably not. Yeah, I don't think so. 3,300. Yeah. All right. Keep moving. Jets. Buff, I told you, man, our pacing is strong. Mm -hmm. We got Jordan, this how about this? How about this pacing, Jordan? Not bad, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, Matt, Jordan, before the show goes, oh, it's going to be two hours. I hate my job and my life. And I just. He, uh, that was word for word what he said. Yeah, I thought so. Verba verbatim. Now, he actually said, I, I like this show. Me too. New York Jets. Buffalo Bills. I'm just going to start talking real slow. Just drag <laughs> this fucker out. Buffalo Bills. Nine and a half point home favorites. But we'll start with the Jets. You, you have some interesting spots here. Mike White. Not a not bad little player out there. I, last week, he had a shot. Minnesota just notorious for keeping opposing teams in games. Like they had two, they had two drives. One at the goal line, to, to and then they 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 didn't convert on fourth down turnover on downs. Vikings punt. What is it out of their own end zone? Jets get the ball back at the fifty or the forty-five. They had another chance. Vikings held though. Credit to them. But I, I don't know, dude. This is a weird game to me for the Jets because. Tredavious White, you know, back for a couple of weeks now, getting more and more integrated into this defense. It's it's still a good defense. They're getting healthier. Of course, no Von Miller, but and you have Michael Carter expected back. So let me let me pre present it to you this way. What are your expectations for the backfield now that Donovan Knight has clearly or Bam Knight has clearly earned the role in this backfield, but Michael Carter returns? And how do you approach the pass catchers? with Garrett Wilson looking awesome, but going up in a very difficult matchup. And then your Eli, uh, Elijah Moores. And then if Corey Davis, if he plays, you have him. You also have Ty Conklin, who's still involved despite not producing. I think the biggest thing we have to say off the top is that Buffalo's defense is no longer absolutely elite. There are still some metrics like football outsiders, defensive DVOA that put them in the top five, but they're nowhere close to number one. And most of the metrics I'm looking at, like adjusted fantasy points allowed, put them a little bit closer to league average than you might think. I still think that Mike White's about to get smoked. I, I do. I I've had trouble finding any ways out of thinking that, but that's really what my gut is telling me here. Here are some really positive aspects of Mike White in this offense. The Jets' defense is quality, meaning that he doesn't have to score a ton of points in order to win most games. Clearly the team 
is behind him. Those quotes from Garrett Wilson after the game talking about how he would go to war for him. I mean, you can <laughs> say you can say it's a you know it's a subtext. That's kind of cool. A subtweet though, right? at Zach Wilson. Exactly. It's exactly what you want to see. It's like I didn't even realize until after the game what a leader he was because in the moment he was just listening to his leader, which is like a very cool thing to hear from a from a quarterback who's kind of coming out of nowhere. Mike you're White so clear- right about that being a dig at, at, at Zach Wilson. Like, hey, we hated you so much that we're just going to show so much admiration for the guy that took your job. Exactly. Uh, they hate that guy. They hate that guy. <laughs> and so a now strong I'll word, but yeah. it sure seems like it. Uh, he's the third best quarterback on the roster. I'd take injured Flacco over him. Uh, yeah. Zonovan Knight, Bam Knight, still over the last six weeks underperforming expectations, but we're talking about a player who, when he was out was getting bell cow usage. Uh, I'm surprised by that. I think with Carter back in the fold, you see neither player uh, really gobble up a ton of the opportunities here, but I do think it's possible. I think it's possible that they just straight up say that Knight is a player. They want to evaluate more Carter's banged up. They already have given up on James Robinson. What if this just becomes a Knight backfield with, Johnson and Carter sort of just spelling him not saying that's the most likely thing but it's making me just take some chances on Mike White and Garrett Wilson if I'm trying to be contrarian in this game obviously there are some Bills options that look good too I think we're in alignment as far as the backfield goes like logic would tell you to to assume that Mike Michael Carter's back and he's more involved now but who knows maybe you know he's a fourth round pick it's not like they have a ton of draft equity in him. I, I don't know. I would say the concern for me though, I could say, I see this ending up being rushing downs, going to night, receiving passing downs, going to Carter and they just cancel each other out. And I, I don't like that very much, not to mention, and we'll get to this game shortly. I'd rather have Dante Foreman at basically the same price as night. I mean, sure. True. And that's assuming that Foreman who's expected to play, assuming he's on the field, but like, Dante Foreman, he is, yes, he's a decimal back. I get that. Yep. But even with Chuba Hubbard healthy, Foreman saw 24 carries last game. Uh, Some crazy workloads for him. And I'm not sold on Seattle coming out there and routing them because, well, we'll get to that. But I'm just saying, I think there are still some other reasonably priced running backs. Even if you wanted to pay up for two wide receivers, I've done it. Two, uh, I think there are enough reasonably priced, like, mid to high 5k even low 5k low 6k running backs how many risks do we need to take trying to sort out what a backfield committee is going to look like as nine and a half point dogs in buffalo that's my question i i think we might be toiling at something that ultimately doesn't matter might be a little bit much ado about nothing we can talk about how bam knight now has large field potential because of the opportunities he saw but it probably just becomes a backfield that we don't really have to carry about, care about on a full slate. You mentioned Dante Foreman being the top projected player among running backs 5,500 in salary or lower. Bam Knight is fourth, but he's actually the second in terms of projection in that pool because James Cook, who continues to get more usage, actually is third overall, again, of backs in our projections below 5,500 this week. I like, James Cook is so interesting. Are we seeing a changing of the guard here? I think so. And I don't mean, so, I, I, sorry, I, yeah, Matt, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but uh, 
I don't mean 80% of snaps every week. What I mean is Singletary stops seeing 80% of snaps every week. And this goes to like a 50, 50, or even, you know, a 55, 45 to cook. Singletary has been the route runner of this team in the backfield. He is fifth overall in routes run and ninth in total route participation rate. And he's been relatively efficient this year, Singletary has. He's been 20th in yards per touch, top 25 in evaded tackles per touch, nearly top 20 in yards created past the offensive line blocking. But he's dropping passes. And he dropped a pass early on last week, and that's why he got benched. He got straight benched, and then Cook came in and took valuable opportunity. I think we could see that situation again. Ultimately, I think that Singletary still gets work, but I'm very concerned about Singletary's 31% route participation rate in week 13 compared to 55 the week before that, 48 the week before that, 57 the week before that. That does look like possible signal. And if we get two weeks of that and Cook is getting that usage, yeah, it might be the changing of the guard. Yeah, you laid it out perfectly. Like week 12, Singletary ran 33 routes to Cook's nine. And last week, Cook ran 15 to Singletary's 13. But Cook was targeted on six of 15 and caught all six of them. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, that might be the way to look at it. The, the way that you're approaching this, not to say that Singletary's phased out entirely of the passing game, but they spent a, a day two pick on Cook, right? Like James Cook is a second round pick. These are Super Bowl contenders. They're going to put the guy that's best for the team out there. And if it just so happens to be a rookie who took some time to get acclimated uh, and he's their best pass catching back, then he's their best pass catching Shit, man, in week one, we saw them throwing passes to Zach Moss. So clearly you don't love Singletary as your pass catching back. I don't hate Cook at all. And they're nine and a half point favorites, uh, bad weather, you know, low 30s with snow mm-hmm. in Buffalo. Uh, of course, if it's if it's not super windy, I, I'm not fading pass catchers from Buffalo because of the If I'm fading pass catchers in Buffalo, it's because that Jets secondary is legitimately elite. Like you want to talk about good rookies. Sauce Gardner is a stud. And they've got a good secondary. I'm not saying they shut down Joe, Josh, Josh Allen. I, of course not. But I think that James Cook could really benefit here. 100%. And, yeah, Sauce Gardner is really good. But, uh, you know, Jefferson still had the touchdown. He had seven receptions, held to 45 receiving yards. It was a rough game. Let's be honest. Yeah. Aside from that touchdown, that was a rough game for Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Finds the end zone, kind of saves what was yeah. a mediocre performance. Uh we're still playing digs. Like he's still a solid play. He's just a little bit below the salary based expectations. Well, who do you he prefer was- digs? If you were to rank one, two, three, Jefferson, uh, digs, I'm on Russ St. Brown and AJ Brown. Cause digs are probably digs are like probably going to be third for me in there. I think you just said, said the order I would do it. Okay. And then Brown fourth, right? AJ Brown would be fourth digs above him. Right. But he's right there in the same vein we're talking no about question. AJ Brown always being viable. 
And one other thing about this running running back position in Buffalo, you need to survive the scramble drill. You need to understand Josh Allen. And the way that the Buffalo Bills get a ton of their rushing attempts is by dropping back to pass and then Josh Allen deciding to tuck it and run himself. So you need to be on the field for routes run. You need to be available when the play breaks down because Allen is great at finding you. And then you need to have the awareness to get out and and block. And so I can understand how a rookie would need time, a few weeks to figure all this out. But if Singletary keeps dropping passes, keeps dropping the ball, both figuratively and literally, then he's going to pave the way for Cook to come in and have a big end of the season. Agreed. You know, it's kind of crazy too. Guess how many yards per game the Jets are allowing to wide receiver ones? Uh, I'm going to guess under 40. 46. Oh, but still, to wide receiver, great guess. Impressive. Yeah. But 46 yards. That's awesome, man. They're, they've figured something out on that defense. Just, and that's why it's so exciting, right? Because now they don't look like frauds with White in the backfield. Mm-hmm. Imagine yeah. if this team had Brees. I'm sorry, with this Dude. defense, Brees Hall, and figuring out the quarterback position in Garrett Wilson. I know. I, Brees Hall. I remember doing all the betting videos on this after he went down and really stress, like, listen, they're still playing decent football, but really stressing that Brees Hall is not a typical running back. Like he, this guy, we saw him three weeks in a row, break games wide open, you know, the game he left. I mean, he like left us with like a parting shot against Denver, right? That beautiful yeah. run down the sideline. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a huge, Yo, how against. about, how about if, if the Detroit lions, first of all, they could run the table or not even, they could still make the playoffs even if they lose a game after starting one and six. What happens? Because remember, they have the Rams, they have the Rams first pick or first round pick. Okay. Yeah. Rams have theirs. So all of the three teams that had swapped first round picks, uh, Seattle or uh, Denver, New Orleans, and, and the Rams, they're all bottom five right now. And you've got Seattle that's locked, not locked in, but right now, if the season ended today, would be in the playoffs. Eagles would be in the playoffs and the Lions have a shot. What happens if the Lions, you know, they're already looking better, right? You got James mm-hmm. Williams who hasn't even really played yet. I'm on Russ St. Brown Swift. Sorry to go off topic here, but this fascinates right. me. And a defense that still, you know, not great, but Aiden Hutchinson's going to be a monster. They're, they're getting better, right? They're clearly showing weak improvement week over week. If they have a top three pick and now you can draft the franchise quarterback, this team is going to be good for years to come. I'm concerned though, Laffy. I'm concerned that Goff has played too well. No way. No way, Matt. I, I hope. I hope. No way. I think there could be some in the building that say, we're rolling with Goff. He earned it. Since this, since really the week before they started this win streak, or at least uh, four out of five, they've won now. They scored 27 points against the Miami Dolphins, who put up 31 against them. And they've scored, since that that point, 27 or more in every single game, except for two, where they scored 25 and 15. I mean, this is is a team that's putting up points. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I think they should do exactly what you just said. I think there is a chance now in Detroit that they trade down to, like, 11 or 12 and start to stock up on... uh, a defense that is finding their way, but needs more playmakers. Let them draft a quarterback and, and have Goff start the season. Who cares? I love it. You know, like what about Geno Smith? Does Seattle with a top five pick not draft a quarterback? Or do they draft one and say, all right, Geno, you played your way into, you know, getting the shot and that first crack at this in 2023. 
This is uh this is going to be a fun off season to figure that out. I do think both teams. If you're asking me what I would do in their draft war room, I'd say take the quarterback. Me too. It's just so cool, and 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 I'm happy for the Lions. I'm happy for this team. But it's so fascinating that you know all of these teams that were expected to be bad this year. The Eagles weren't, but all of the teams that were expected the Seattle Seahawks were expected to be in a full out rebuild. Their defense was supposed to be terrible. You know, offensive line was supposed to be Swiss cheese. Lions were supposed to be trash, and through the first seven weeks of the season, they were. Now these teams are fighting for play playoff spots with top five picks in hand. It's a, it's it's amazing. They they've really set themselves up nicely for the future. This is the first time I think, if you're a Lions fan, and I'm not, but I I, I enjoy rooting for these teams that have just been in the shitter for so long. If you're a Lions fan, you're looking at this and going, for the first time in a long time, I feel pretty good about our future. You're also bearing the lead on the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles may also find their way up there too. Oh, I mentioned that, but I'm saying they weren't, oh, yeah. oh. they weren't expected to be bad. Right, right. Yeah, yeah Eagles can make a deep playoff run and still have a top five pick. Like, ooh, baby, that's awesome. That's crazy. And all these teams that traded these because they expected to be contenders. That's the craziest. That, you want to talk about burying the lead, right? That's the crazy part. Saints did this because they thought that they could contend this year. The Broncos did this because they thought, and they should have been able to contend. If they had even a decent quarter, like a, a, a good backup has them with a winning record for sure. And the Rams are reigning Super Bowl champions. These teams are supposed to be good. And God, the level of fucking parody in the NFL is beyond me. Vegas and Denver went all in to go a combined nine and 16 this season so far. Yeah, Raiders are making the playoffs, baby. Raiders, Raiders are coming Ooh, on strong. I like that call. That's still it's still a strong division. Uh, not not talking about the Broncos. The other three, they've got yeah. they've got solid players. Chargers always find a way to shoot themselves in the foot, though, right? <laughs> right. Chargers I mean, come on. Yeah. Hey, uh, last question here. Do you want? Let me let me ask you too, that. Do you like Garrett Wilson this week? Um, and then do you want to get to some like peripheral options? Gabe Davis, uh, any, any Isaiah McKenzie, Dawson Knox has not really pr produced much. A anything else in this game stand out to you? I'll play some Garrett Wilson. Again, the Bills are still eighth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers, but they're not first like they were over the last few years. That's different. And I still think we're going to look back at Garrett Wilson being 5,900 and saying, man, I wish we could get him there again. I think he's on I his think way up right. to, to a really, really, you know, Justin Jefferson at one point rose in salary to a point where we just never see him below a certain threshold. And I think Garrett Wilson is on that rise as well. All right. What is paper line? I think he means paper tiger, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe paper lines suited better since they play in the same division. Uh, okay. Kansas city and Denver. I'll repeat the same thing I've been saying because I don't know what to do with Kansas City. They're nine and a half, or nine and a half point favorites against Denver, a defense that if, if any unit deserves credit in this league, more than any other offensive or defensive unit, it is the Denver defense. I'm it really mm -hmm. is, man. I, I pity them. Of course, not their bank accounts, but uh, I envy those. But I, they're just so damn good at every single week. Russell Wilson and Hackett find ways to blow things up, even last week. It's, it's really remarkable at this point, but it's still a defense that we can't overlook. Now, 
It's the Kansas City Chiefs. They're nine and a half point favorites. They still have a 25 plus point implied total. I understand all of that. But looking past it, what do we do with the fact that outside of Travis Kelsey, this entire team is a crapshoot and they might have Kadarius Tony back? I'm sick and tired of trying to figure out which one of the 11 or 12 guys is, uh, that catch passes each week is going to be viable. I'm sick and tired of it, Matt. And now you don't really have to if you don't want to because of the defensive matchup. You know, the Denver defense should be working on suing the offense in some way uh, because it's been egregious. They just haven't shown up all season. But the defense is playing well. And while Kansas City has bounce back potential after an underperformance against the Bengals, our top stacks tool says you don't have to play them. A score of 45 in our rating score there puts them basically at league average on this slate which is very rare for a Patrick Mahomes-led team. I think you can always play a Mahomes-Kelsey stack. Unless it is egregiously priced to the point where you can't even find values that work, you can always play Mahomes-Kelsey because at the end of the weekend, you said, if you said those two went off and you needed them in the optimal, no one would turn their heads. But look, this is now a crapshoot and a mediocre matchup. Maybe you don't have to play any of Pacheco or McKinnon or Smith-Schuster, who has a projection below salary-based expectation, or Valdez-Scantling, where you could say the same thing, or Kadarius Tony, who, while there is a ceiling there, he's priced pretty darn high at 4800 In fact, I almost want to just take these tertiary options, sprinkle them in in large fields, and then just go to Travis Kelsey and all my single-entry, three-entry lineups, stick to what I know, and then don't even take a chance, really, on these mid-tier players that doesn't look good this week. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm going to do too. Yeah. The only I thing, actually, is, sorry, just to finish up, is that everyone's feeling that way. Juju's at 3% ownership. Valdez Scantling's at 2% ownership. No one's playing these players. Mahomes is still back there. Mahomes is still perfectly in play. I just don't have interest in double stacking with Mahomes anymore. Like it just kills my lineups every time. It really yeah. does. Especially if Tony's back. I mean, my God, dude, it's difficult. I think Denver gets up for this game. I don't think they win, of course, but it's at home. I think they get up for this game. I think they cover. I mean, I, I hate that. I hate this line. You know, it's nine and a half, a, a shit line for sure. Mm -hmm. Just because, you know, you, if you can get it at 10 somewhere, that'd be much yeah. better. But I think they get up. I think the defense, they might be at a point where they're like, all right, our offense isn't ever going to give us anything, but we're going to go out there every week and prove that, like we are still dominant. And they have done that every week. Kansas City wins, sure, puts up some points. But do I expect it to be an offensive explosion? Not really. Uh, and I'm okay getting away from that. Now, Neil and I ha had this, this conversation. Ben breached the subject, which I just uh, – I, about playing Denver players. Sutton's doubtful. Judy's best game was last week for like 60 yards or something. That was his high watermark of the year. Latavius Murray, I'm full fading Denver. I have no problem with it. If people want to keep taking shots there and assume that Russell Wilson after 13 weeks can figure it out along with Nathaniel Hackett, who's just more of a ball and chain around his legs. Mm -hmm. Fine. That's not for me this week. Matt, floor is yours. Yeah, ultimately this team, I think we're, look, trusting the tools at Stochastic is almost always, like always a plus EV move. But this Denver team, I think we're too bullish on them right now. We'll see what it looks like come Sunday.
but Russell Wilson at QB 14 among the 18, I think that's possibly too high. Latavius Murray ahead of salary-based expectation, and Jerry Judy kind of in a show-me-something game environment where it looks like they're going to have to pass. It looks like they're going to be without Cortland Sutton. It doesn't even look like he's that popular at 6.6% expected ownership, and the Kansas City Chiefs are bottom 10 against the pass this year. I just don't have any faith left. I, I just don't know how you do it anymore. And it's not like the game, inv- like this could legitimately be a 22 to nine game where Kansas City isn't even challenged whatsoever. And they don't even have to play that well. And they just create zero solid opportunities for fantasy goodness on the Denver side. I uh, make enough bad decisions and bad plays on my own. I don't need help. I don't need assistance in doing it with, with, you know, Hackett and Denver. Kendall Hinton is the one where he's going to get route participation rate and a possible target rate that looks very different than most players at 3,400, but you're still talking about a 3,400 salary receiver attached to Russell Wilson in a nearly 10 point underdog game environment. No question, but it's still just disgusting. Oh, Actually, hold on. There, I do like Greg Dulcich. I, I meant to put that out. I, I think Greg Dulcich is a decent play for one reason. The opportunity cost at tight end is so much lower than it is at other positions. Like if you're playing Jerry Judy, that means you have to forego other you know, great wide receivers on this slate, whether it's similarly priced or higher priced. Uh, that, that's the one caveat for this matchup when it, for, for me. Like Judy's almost the same price as Garrett Wilson. Come on. Uh, uh, but but Greg Dulcich is thirty four hundred. Uh, he could very easily again be the target share leader on this team. Uh, and it's just from a PPR perspective, I don't need you to do anything crazy. The tight end position is ugly again this week, outside of Travis Kelsey and arguably Mark Andrews. So that is actually a spot that I, I wanted to point out. I think Dulcich is perfectly fine at, at thirty four hundred. Yep. Uh, the running game would be viable since they run it so much, but now it's turning into an RBBC and obviously the touchdown equity is just so low. Yep. It is. Everyone's saying that Hackenberg is going to be working at a Cinnabon or we're selling phones at a mall kiosk. That, Wait, that I don't know if that rough. was a Freudian slip, but that was good. You called him Hacken, Hackenberg, but like he can't, ha- it's, he is, he's, he's, did I call him Hackenberg? I did. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I was thinking of the, the quarterback. Nathaniel Hackett, sorry. Yeah, not good. Man, working at a mall it would be tough selling phones at a kiosk. Tough, because malls are not really frequented much anymore. I get sad every time I go to a mall now, especially during the holidays. Me too, man. The hustle I, and bustle was a great feeling. You know, you miss it. You probably hated it at the time, but you're right. I don't know, dude. Like, I, I, we're pretty similar in age, but like we hit the very end the yep. very end of the mall era. So I remember being in high school, my friends, my first friends who got cars, we'd have shit to do. So where'd you go hang out? Like we would go get food at the mall or like yep. one person had one thing to buy. So eight of us went or something yep. like that. All, all was, the time. I feel bad for kids now because that was just a good way to hang out. We would smoke out the car on the way to the movie theater, which was across <laughs> the street from the mall. And then we'd go and get food at the mall or something. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's that the was, way. Yeah, like, that was it. Panda Express or something. It, man, Jeremy mentioned Hot Topic. Yeah, Hot Topic, Spencer's. Remember Spencer's? Did oh, they have gosh. those around you? Yeah. 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 Pack Sun. 
you would just walk by you would call it cologne row right yeah. <laughs> it was just the sense coming at you hollister oh man those were those were good times I, those were good times food so there's some food court food that's unrivaled too and then every year i go in there and one of one more of them in the food court would be shut down then another one would be shut down then three stores in a row would have the gate down sad times man yep. bezos owns us all yeah and now, like chat, <laughs> yeah, now a chat gpt you and i aren't even going to be needed anymore soon enough that shit is crazy i've been it's, messing with it uh, me too and i was telling my buddies to look at it i said it's simply remarkable and it's scary as shit we've hit the the hockey stick the s curve in the ai uh innovation uh what's it gonna look like in two years five years it's gonna be fun fun but i have a two-year-old daughter almost and it scares me i'll be completely honest with you i i have some trepidation there but it is impressive it is impressive stuff carolina seattle carolina four point dog only four points that should tell you guys something right there i think you know your ears should perk up when you when you see that four point favorites or four four point home favorites I, I honestly think Dante Foreman is, is fine here, 5,400. Like, if this game is close, the one risk you run is that it gets out of hand. But, hey, J.C. Horn, nice nice little quarterback back there. Brian Burns, that fella's good. This defense is, is respectable. I'm not saying they're elite. They are respectable, though. And if this game stays competitive, you're getting another 20-plus carries for Dante Foreman. Sam Darnold is no downgrade from P.J. Walker or Baker Mayfield. I do like Dante Foreman here, and I like DJ Moore as well. Two guys in this offense at very respectable mid to low 5K price points that if I get some of them, I'll be pretty pretty cool with that. The field is sort of gravitating to those two players as value options, which means that as long as you're contrarian in other spots in your lineup, playing players like Dante Foreman at 10 or 11% ownership or more who – his, because he's 5,500, looks like he's going to be 7 to 10% owned as well. I don't think it's that hard to get different with one, one of those players. I'm probably not playing both, to be completely honest. I probably don't need that. I also think that Sam Darnold, though not the best athlete, has shown, use, shown to get usage at the goal line the last time he was a starting quarterback for this team. And they have a much worse running back room than they last had when Darnold was taken over here. So I do think that I'll take some chances with Darnold. I like Foreman and more as value options, but I'm probably leaving the rest of this Carolina Panthers team be. I don't really need to get to LaVishka Chanel, although I will say that he is one of our top options under 3,500. We're still talking about a projection of like seven, eight points, a most likely outcome in that kind of range. Right. Yeah, I'll leave everything as well. If if Dante Foreman does end up sitting, like he tentatively expects to play, but if he does end up sitting, Truba Hubbard is very, very, very reasonable here because mm -hmm. you, Steve Wilkes could say whatever he wants about timeshares. He said that when Truba Hubbard was out and then Dante Foreman just got all of the work. I don't think Blackshear gets more than just spell opportunities behind Truba Hubbard, 4,800. That's really not bad. Dante Foreman, I've been saying this for years, is not a bad running back. Like he's not a, he's not great, but he's fine. And listen, who cares about running? Look at, go back and look at all the teams recently in the past like 15 years that have won Super Bowls. 
and find more than what one team with a high paid elite running back. No joke. Oh, like, yeah. Right. It, it doesn't happen. You could put Foreman on the Eagles right now and it wouldn't change their odds. Like take him over. And I'm a big fan of Miles Sanders. You put him on the Eagles right now and it doesn't change a damn thing. That's that's I'm saying it's not an indictment on Sanders, but it's saying that Foreman's good enough to in a decent offense. Truba Hubbard, we haven't really seen much from the guy. He was expected to be a higher draft pick than he was. Then he had that bad season. But at the same time, at 4,800, if Chuba Hubbard ends up being the lead back, you're looking at probably, you know, 65, 70% of snaps and 80% of carries on a team that wants to run the football. So that's at least worth monitoring throughout the week. He'll be a value for sure if Foreman can't go. We're still talking about a team with not a very high implied total of 20. Um, that's a, that's somebody... a huge total on this slate. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But again, if you're talking about a sub 5K player, who is going to get a majority of his team's touches. We're always interested, but just expect that ownership to rise meteorically. Hey, Justin, you're always in chat with really, really good stat tidbits. And you had another one that I literally have on my list here that their past defense in Seattle has not been good. And if they can be pushed, we've kind of outlined a way that it could happen. Then we could get Seattle, who has been one of the most pass happy teams and is now missing possibly their top running back, or at least he's banged up could be very, very pass heavy in this game. I like Gino, I like DK, I like Lockett, all have projections right at salary-based expectations. Look at what our top stacks tool has right now for their rating. Uh, right there with the Kansas City Chiefs, so like top 10, not fantastic, but I think I might actually like that a little bit better than our tools do. Metcalf and Lockett are still both under 10% expected ownership. I think the matchup is really good. They're, the Carolina Panthers are 25th and adjusted fantasy points allowed to the receiving course. I like them this week too. I kind of like this game in a weird way. Nobody's overly pricey. And people had mentioned too that, that Foreman's going to be chalky. I, I think I get, it, it depends kind of how you would classify chalk this week, right? Because mm-hmm. you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven backs between nine and 13% projected ownership. You know, it's, it's really spread out. We have nobody above 16%. You know what I mean, Matt? Like from, from 8% to, to 16% ownership, you're talking like 15 or 11 or 12 different running backs. So he'll be owned, but I, I wouldn't call that chalky at 10%. Kind of what you were saying about Sanders earlier in the show. It, it is definitively not a play the best plays kind of week. Right? right, because there just seems to be a little bit more murkiness, a little bit more confusion than we sometimes have on these bigger main slates where the field kind of gravitates around certain backs. It's a little flatter this week. So I don't think Ken Walker plays. I don't know if DJ Dallas plays. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If both of them sit, do you look towards Tony Jones here? 
And I would guess that they call Wayne Gallman up. That's why they signed into the practice squad. It only makes sense that, that they're assuming that there's potential that these guys both miss. But, ugh, God, dude. I mean, yuck. Am I right? It's, I guess if both of them are out, yes. If, if Dallas plays and Walker is out, I'm fading this backfield. That's how I'm approaching it. I think that's very reasonable. Just remember that uh, Carolina's 25th against passing attacks, 26th than adjusted fantasy points allowed against rushing attacks. So if somebody does get all the carries here, all the opportunity in the backfield, they should be viable. We've seen Pete Carroll offenses do this in the past. If you remember Thomas Rawls coming out of literally nowhere, getting yep. like a 30 carry game when no one even knew his name. So don't completely rule it out, but that's the way I'm feeling. Just give me more of the passing attack. And Justin said, wouldn't it be Homer? Yeah, he's questionable too. Yeah. I know it was an hurt. illness. So like, I, I guess, yeah, if, if all those guys are out, but the truth is we've seen this before where the top back was out and it was just an ugly timeshare, like just kind of gross between Dallas and Homer. We saw that a couple of times last year, I believe, and the year prior. I don't know. You guys can do what you want with that one. Uh, but yeah, I would say if Foreman's out, Chuba Hubbard's more appealing to me than if Walker's out as Seattle is. Because with Carolina, I don't think you're getting any timeshare risk there. All right, three games to go, Matt. And I don't think oh, it's I want to give some love to Noah Fant, but that's the only other thing I want oh, to go say. Ahead. I'll play. I'll play Fant uh, at five percent expected ownership. Uh, again, we kind of like this game environment. A little sneaky shootout potential. We got a projection ahead of salary based expectation. He's on my list. Yeah. All right. Uh, three games. One more thing though. I told you guys about the free month of Prize Picks earlier. Prize Picks isn't available in every state. If it's not available in your state, BetMGM probably is. And geez, aren't you lucky? You don't just get one month of Stochastic Plus Platinum when you sign up using the link in the description or the one in chat. Take $10. Very simple. Can be more if you want. Only has to be 10 bucks. Put it on any game, any bet, whatever it is. After that settles, two free months of Stochastic Plus Platinum. $240 value. I mean, come on now. It's an insane no-brainer opportunity. Plus, it's up to a $1,000 risk-free bet. Not either or. It's both. So if you're saying, all right, I, I have a little bit, I got a little bit of extra money that I can deposit here. I want to do more than 10 bucks. Doesn't have to be. You still get the $240 value. Two months of Stochastic Plus Platinum. Everything entirely free. Plus access to the premium Discord. But if you're like, I got a little extra, I got 100, 200 bucks. If you were to make that bet, it's up to a thousand. So if you made a hundred dollar bet and you lose, you're getting all that hundred back in free bets as well. So uh, it's not either or, it's both of them. The two free months plus the up to a thousand dollar risk free bet only has to be 10. But if you want to do more, it can be links in the description, links in the chat. I don't know how much longer we're going to be doing two months for. I know we've been working on getting it down from one, but the communication between MGM, you know, you always got to jump through hoops with everybody. So check it I out. I think it's one but of the best deals we've had at any platform. It is. Yeah. Especially if you're a DFS it. player. Mm -hmm. Like, and you've wanted to check the tools out. Because before it was, you know, you get the $200 no-brainer bonus. But some people haven't really dabbled too much in the sports betting. And now they can, but also get all the tools they're looking for for DFS. Pretty sweet. 100%. All right. All right. Benny said, Greg seems swole there. Yeah, man. Some of those, dude, his MLB pictures with holding the bat. I was like, wait, what? Do you remember those? The thumbnails? Yeah. yeah. Like, with the stern face just kind of pointing. Yeah. Yeah. Where'd that come from? 
All right. Jacksonville, Tennessee. I'm out on ETN this week. Uh, I'm out on him, Matt. I, 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 unless, unless they want to start involving him more in the passing game, I have a real tough time getting there against the league's number one ranked run defense. Tell me why I'm wrong or right. Uh, I think you're absolutely right to say that the least likely outcome, or excuse me, the most likely outcome is that ETN fails to produce at his salary-based expectations. But we should say that they are priced down a little bit, 6400 just 13% of your salary cap on DraftKings. Certainly better than the running back on the other side of this game. But with Lawrence banged up and a risk of missing this game, ETN also not 100%. I'm worried that this foot injury has to do with the repaired foot last year. They might start to wind down these top players in Jacksonville and start to think, towards next season look if you're looking for a a tennessee team to be bad against the run they really haven't been they're sixth best in adjusted fantasy points allowed to the running back they're much worse against the pass attack so while i don't have a lot of faith in the jacksonville jaguars passing attack it does look like that would be the place to go against the titans are you looking at kirk zay joe anyone specific you like there if lawrence plays i actually have a little love for zay jones can't speak all of a sudden. His expected fantasy points inside the top 20 wide receivers on this slate. Kirk is a little expensive at 6,600. I'd rather have him down at like 62, 61, but he's still pretty popular. I'll get there. I'll get there if Lawrence plays. All right. Let's go, baby. It's time to talk about Chigo Conquo. Conquo. He's That's great, my- man. He's awesome. He's awesome. I drafted him in the cage match yesterday. I said, we're going full out committed to tournament style. Let's go. No joke, I was in a bar. I was in a bar on Sunday watching the games and Chico Conquo made another great play, which by the way, like half the time he gets the ball in his hands, he's just breaking tackles, breaking things wide open. Yep. It's just not that often. I'm talking about him so fervently. And it's this guy, Chico Conquo. The whole bar is watching. And I realized all these heads have turned. And they're just like, listen to me rant about Shigo at the bar. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, man. He's good. I, he's a big play guy, and I love it. And Traylon Burks isn't practicing either. Like, my guess is after his lights were knocked out, somehow held onto that ball, you know, after, after everything went dark, it's going to take a little while to fully illuminate inside there. And the truth is, I love Traylon Burks. I still think it was a bad trade. And I, <laughs> I think Tennessee ownership would agree after firing John Robinson mm-hmm. the day after A.J. Brown smoked him. But even if Burks is in, I think Okonkwo is, is, is ter- totally reasonable. Like, Robert Woods has shown nothing all year. Westbrook Akina is who we know he is, right? Like, there's no – he's not just going to be this magic – spark and turn things on he had the big game against denver but that's because they sold out to stop derrick henry and we'll get to derrick henry but i think a conquer with 2700 is it a boom bust yes of course he could do nothing and it's not like austin hooper is is nothing anymore either but i i can't help but look at this team and go you need some splat you need some big plays you need a guy that can make plays like jelani woods and then they just don't go to him the next game maybe he was still hurt because he was questionable but a Congo 2,700 at a bad position, why not take a risk at tight end where I can get below minimum salary for wide receiver by 300? I get $1,300 mm-hmm. below a minimum running back, which they don't exist anyway. 
and and have a shot at getting you know a 40-yard touchdown or something on a team that is completely devoid of other weapons in the passing game. 100% agree. And Robert Woods is nearly double the salary of Chigokonkwo. And I would not say that he is double the likelihood of having a ceiling performance here. I'm fine with it. I think if Burks played, he would probably be a pretty interesting option. But I agree. I don't think he's going to play at all, which means that Woods and Westbrook Akine become largest of large field tournament options. Otherwise, I really like this this call. I thought I was going to have to bring him up. But to start off here, I'm happy to see it. He is one of my favorite contrarian plays at the tight end position. But we're kind of burying the lead, of course. Derrick Henry is Hold on real back quick. one. In our uh, Bridge, Bridge Lion said, Chig, yeah, he averages four fantasy points. Dude, you're not – he could obviously have a bad game here. Right. But if that is the only thing you're looking at and not the fact that he has back-to-back five target games – you know, back-to-back games where his route participation has increased uh, and is, you know, n- really narrowed the gap with Austin Hooper. Not looking at the fact that Traylon Burks is probably going to be out and Robert Woods has nothing left in the tank uh, or the fact that he has, ready for this, over his last five games, here are his long receptions. 41, 17, 31, 41, 48. It's not surprising to see his target share more than double over the last two weeks. Granted, it's going from two to, to five and then five. But if I want to take shots on a cheap tight end, don't give me the guy that might have two for 20 and hopefully a touchdown inside the five. Give me the guy that could break a couple long receptions off on a team that desperately needs production in the passing game. 3.57 yards per route run this year for Shigo Conquo. For reference, Cooper Cup had 2.7 yards per route run before he was injured. Justin Jefferson at 2.77. 3.5 is in insanity like if he got more volume it would go down but that is just insane efficiency yeah and neither of us expect this type of you know 40 plus yard reception every game obviously but the point is that he's he's showing that he's probably someone you want to involve more (laughs) sorry i'm laughing i completely agree i'm laughing adam Adam Baumother, who's very often in the chat my wild prediction (laughs) is that they try to get derrick henry going Let's maybe. Well, there, there's maybe. your cue, Matt. It's December. They're playing the Jaguars. Maybe we're done with the logic. That's it. He's not too expensive. He's actually at running back three in salary, 7,900. We've got him at running back one. At this salary, if he hits anything over 24 points, you're feeling pretty darn good. And we've seen 30-point potential out of him in these types of game environments. The Jaguars still... Bottom seven in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. They're bad. They are bad. They are bad. I mean, this is if there's a get right game, it's going to be this one. Henry's decimated this team in the past. I, I like Henry a lot. I, I didn't think I would be interested in Tennessee, but I am. And if Burks does happen to play, I like Traylon Burks too. Like if he's yep. not limited. For now, it's Henry and then value play if you're trying to punt Chigokonkwu. You know, that, and then Burks if he plays. But that's it for me. But it's more than I thought it would be. Yeah, if you want a run back option, that's not Shig. You could get Evan Ingram on the other side. Got involved last week. Still just 5.2 expected fantasy points per game. But uh, if you're talking large field, trying to attach yourself to this game, maybe you have Henry on the other side. I don't think that's crazy either. No. And yeah, last thing on, on Chig. Man, I are both. 
I want to just really preface it like he could be terrible. But people were playing Harrison Bryant last week too. Like Harrison Bryant needs a touchdown to to not destroy you. And how many times are we playing those uh, those tight ends every single week? Right, and the salary is right more than anything too. Right, this is this is valuable options when you're talking about this low in the salary pool and big playability because those two things usually don't combine. Right. Wait a second. Chigga Congo had a 96 percentile 40-yard dash. The guy's a beast. I know, but he's 243 pounds. <laughs> right, right. So he's he really is a hybrid player, you know, yeah, for sure. in, in this vein that obviously totally different draft stock. Okonkwo was drafted at the end of the fourth round with a uh, compensatory pick, but like Kyle Pitts or, or even like a Mike Gusecki type player who doesn't spend a whole lot of time in line uh, you know he's at six he's only at 6.4 routes run per game we're talking about a low probability option but we're just talking about the small signals we're seeing yeah yeah it's uh it's fun to watch him though all right let's talk about baltimore and pittsburgh i'm i i might take some shots on on huntley this week mark andrews i i Talked to Ben. I said, dude, this is Deshaun Jackson's 60-yard touchdown week. He said, there's no way that happens. I said, fine, 50. But <laughs> they, just signed, they just signed him to the active roster. Pittsburgh's biggest weakness on defense is giving up the deep plays through the air. Aside from that, they're pretty sturdy. So I think you at least see some shots from DJX. I'll have a couple of Millie Maker lineups with with Deshaun Jackson in there. I'm telling you right now, I will. Sounds crazy. I get it, but uh, I've done crazier. But Huntley and Mark Andrews, obviously, are the two that that, that stand out. And Andrews has actually performed very, very well with, with Tyler Huntley, a quarterback. What are you doing with Baltimore? That's actually the way I, I think I might play this, is that he locks on to one receiver. So I might be a little bit over the field on Mark Andrews. Not hard to do. Like, if you're playing 20 lineups, two Mark Andrews lineups gets you over the field. That's that's something I'll go to. He hasn't been great over the last few weeks, minus four fantasy points below expectation. But if you look at that opportunity value, it's up there with the all the tight ends, except for Travis Kelsey on the slate, obviously. It, it's still really, really solid compared to the rest of his position. You got an RBBC likely in, uh, in the ba- Baltimore backfield. And we do have some speed into Marcus Robinson and Devin DuVernay. I like the... The call that in large field tournaments, you'll just say, hey, maybe Huntley just chucks it up a few times. Don't forget about Demarcus Robinson either, though. He's got some pretty good big play potential and is expecting just 3% ownership. Oh, Pittsburgh. Ah, dude, I, I'm, I know Najee's looked better from a volume standpoint lately. Jalen Warren came back and didn't really play, which was a little bit surprising. But... I, there's still so many good running backs this week. 37 point total. George Pickens, everyone's waiting, and I think it'll come because he is actually very good. But in this offense, it's very, very hit or miss. Yeah. Deontay Johnson's just a possession guy right now. If you get six for 50, or that's a good guy. Fryer Moose probably the one guy that stands out to me the most, but. Like if I ended up not having a lot of Pittsburgh at all, I'm not going to go into the one o'clock 
look at my exposures and be like, oh my God, I don't have enough Pittsburgh. Baltimore's defense really figuring it out second half of the season. They're now eighth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks, fifth against running backs, and 11th against opposing wide receiver cores. And it's not like this offensive passing attack is a world beater yet, at least. I, I do think Kenny Pickett has some potential here, but we're still talking about a player who's scoring five points below expectation per game over his last six weeks. And I don't like that George Pickens is already squeaky wheeling this situation. Like you just came onto the scene, bro. I, I don't that think that, I don't think that he should be complaining about target share. I agree with him, but I just don't think that that is a situation that's going to fly very well in a, in a still veteran led Mike Tomlin locker room. So I actually have a little bit more Deontay Johnson than I expected right now. We have a projection ahead of salary-based expectation. We have the expected fantasy points still much higher than George Pickens. And I know he drops passes. I know it feels like this team doesn't score points, but that's the way I'm leaning right now. I don't think you're crazy to play Najee. He's not one of my favorites this week. Um, So if you're asking me if it's anyone, it's Deontay Johnson. And of course, at 2,800, you can play the Steelers defense. I think it's going to be popular, even more popular than our ownership projections say right now. I don't love it either. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Huntley has a decent game. I think there's ceiling potential there for Baltimore. Me too. I, I do. Me too. I, Huntley's not Lamar. Lamar Jackson hasn't been Lamar Jackson this year either. But mm-hmm. Huntley, Huntley Andrews does not bother me at all because you're, you're getting a really cheap quarterback. So paying that premium at tight end, that makes you different. You mentioned the ownership. That makes you really different. If Hundley, dude, if Hundley has a big rushing game, like if Hundley rushes for 80 and a touchdown and then anything he does through the air, locking on the Mark Andrews, I think it's viable. It, it, it's viable because he's so much cheaper than Lamar would be. He's what, like $2,600 cheaper than Lamar would be in a spot like this? And still nobody's playing. And still no one's playing him, yeah. All right, Tampa, San Francisco, let's wrap it up with this fun game. Game of the week, friends. Uh, But, hey, before we do, first off, appreciate you guys. 100 likes on the nose. You know, this is one where a lot of people, a lot of people that want to watch during it, they have, you know, a solid constitution, Matt. Or just no time or plenty of time. But we thank you for that. Also, those of you that watch after the fact, Appreciate you too. If you want to take advantage of everything down below too, like I said, two free months of stochastic plus platinum thousand dollar risk-free bet with bet MGM. Just follow the, the right. Super easy. Deposit 10 bucks, bet on anything. Prize picks, free month of stochastic plus platinum, $120 value, $100 first match deposit bonus, sick place to play. And if you've already, you know, if you can't play there, three free days of all of our NFL tools, the links down there too. If you want to check it out, no strings attached, cancel anytime, three free days of all of our NFL stuff. Uh, today's a great time to do it because you get Thursday night football and all the main site content as well. All right, Tampa and San Francisco. Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, going up against the Tampa team that needed you know the full 60 minutes to, to orchestrate a comeback against the bad New Orleans, well, bad offense in New Orleans. But uh, honestly, I don't feel like splitting opportunity. I don't feel like figuring out what I'm doing between Fournette and White. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, and I don't really have interest in Tampa at all. Okay. At totally all. Viable. Totally viable. I am calling my shot here. This game goes to 45 points. I think this game shoots okay. out. 
but, more than people expect. I think Purdy really? is better than people expect. And maybe I'm, I will be the one to say uh, next week if this happens that I overreacted, but I will be that one to say Tampa Bay may have found something finally in that fourth quarter. They, they finally didn't. clicked. They didn't. I, I, you're, you, the percentages, the probabilities say you're right. Okay, right? hold on. What, what click? Let's do this. Byron Leftwich needs to be more innovative as a play caller. And when the pass expectation became 100% and Brady and Leftwich had to just utilize that part of the playbook, they looked fantastic. They got, they got usage and efficiency from many players. And I'm sorry, that play from White, a game winner with three seconds left, where if he, if he falls down, they, that game's over. Like if his, knee, if his knee hits the ground, that game is over, they lose. That is a, the type of play that gets you even more usage from a coaching staff. And if they limit these freaking first down runs into the back of their right guard and just start passing more or using play action on first down, they can even score against the number two, arguably number one offense in the NFL up there with Denver. San Francisco is a beast of a defensive line and their cornerbacks are getting healthier, but Brady can break them down. And I think on the other side, Purdy can keep pace more than people realize. All right. <laughs> it's just for me, I have something. It's been 13 weeks. I don't know. Maybe you're right. They got Gage I, back. They have Jones playing a little bit better. But the, if, you, if you were making this argument and they were facing, I don't know, the Giants, sure. But I – you still need them to have figured something out. And then you need them to figure it out again against the Niners defense. That scares me, man. Yeah. I mean, to Brady's credit, a veteran move. Like they asked him, you know, the typical, like, how do you feel about pulling off a comeback like that in the, in the post-game interview? And he was like, yeah, we got San Francisco next week. Okay. <laughs> like that's the kind Did of look really? on his face. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, we gotta, we gotta go to work. I gotta go. Um, Cause they know, they know the, the quality of that defense and look, I believe it was Jimmy Garoppolo who was in the NFC championship game, had a legitimate chance to tie the game in the fourth quarter and was six of eight passing. He threw eight times in that game and they lost by one possession. Purdy can do this. Purdy yeah. can do this. I, I was a little surpri surprised there were only three and a half point dogs, but then you figure they got the last pick in the draft on San Francisco who played admirably. Give him some credit there. Christian, all right, let's close it out with this. Again, appreciate you guys watching. San Francisco, uh, Christian McCaffrey, is this your guy this week? Do you like McCaffrey? Do you like anyone in the passing game? How do you approach San Francisco? We'll put a bow on it here. Look, Tampa's defense is still working pretty well. Christian McCaffrey is right at salary-based expectations at 8,500. Certainly in the you-can-play-him range. His expected fantasy points back up to that number one overall option. The ceiling is there. And adjusted fantasy points allowed. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 12th against the running back position. Debo and Ayuk look pretty mediocre in our tools. Samuel especially is a good enough player where you said, hey, I got to Samuel anyway, because he doesn't even need Purdy to throw him the ball. He could rush. Uh, that's fine. I'm probably going to be below the field. And George Kittle. Because there are only a handful of tight ends outside of Travis Kelsey who can really give you slate-changing weeks, I will go there. I think it's possible, too, with Purdy that he just locks on to one player. 
right? And he just like goes to his first read because it's working or because that individual matchup is working. And so you could get one of those games where they don't pass a ton, but a large percentage go to one of Kittle or Samuel, and I'll have some lineups that play it that way. Okay. Hannah Banana said, I'm with Draftaholic. I think Purdy keeps up. Andy Dalton, that's not my concern. My concern is can Tom Brady keep up? Mm-hmm. Not with not with Brock Purdy, but you know, against that defense. It'll be fun, Matt. We'll we'll recap this. Uh, this will be fun to talk about because national game, right? This is supposed to be it. Appreciate you guys. Follow Matt at Draftaholic on Twitter. Mia Lafay underscore D. You see it right there. L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. Always got to spell that one out. It can be confusing since my last name's Lochran. And what? What'd you do? Whoa. <laughs> and uh, uh, shout out to Jordan Klein. Yeah, I guess. Producing this show. Shout out. Really, really appreciate just the pure surgical precision that he takes behind the virtual glass. I'm kidding. We love you, Jordan. And we love you guys, too. Thanks, as always. We'll catch you back here for week 15. Peace. See ya.